Hello and welcome to episode four of The Dreamer's Disease, where each week we hear the inspirational stories of people who are really out there in the world and, and following their passions and doing the things that they really, really love. So before we roll into the episode, I'd like to thank you for checking this out, for hitting play, for even being the kind of slightest bit intrigued as to what this podcast is about. So while you're here, if you could head over to the SoundCloud page, search The Dreamer's Disease, hit follow, because that's where all of the episodes are going to be uploaded each week. You can also head over to Instagram, search Dreamer's Disease underscore podcast, where there'll be uploads of inspirational quotes and daily bits of inspiration to help you through your day. On this episode, I'm joined by essentially my best mate, a guy called Alex Morrow, aka Moz, and we met in school, been friends for 15 plus years, and in the introduction episode of the podcast, I spoke about how we should look at our peers and the people around us and get inspiration from them, and Moz is definitely one of those guys, because we've almost lived our careers together, and we've lived each other's careers as much as we've lived our own if that makes sense um so to see him kind of grow and, and take on this role of his own that he really enjoys and loves for me is it's mad inspiring um so during the chat we kind of covered a lot of topics from you know his experiences working in different companies uh, where he gets his creative spark from what it was like taking a leap of faith leaving you know a corporation and a full-time job to take on his own role as a manager of an artist and setting up his own label the, the impact the life-threatening operation had on him and his mentality we spoke about what the role of an artist manager is what, what's their kind of day-to-day what's the key things that they have to do you know to help the artist grow and, and become bigger and bigger what it was like to tour with Chance the Rapper last year they joined him on his European leg of his tour which must have been an amazing experience so it was really interesting to hear the kind of inside knowledge from Moz about what that was like working with such a big artist you know on so many different dates and so many different cities and we also spoke about the role of inspirational family members and the kind of mark they've left on him and and his his mentality and mindset. So this is going to be kind of mad because we've never effectively sat down and broke down your life and career because we kind of lived it together which is mad bit of orcs isn't it it's proper orcs so um yeah i want to welcome moz who's here with me yo um so to start with can you tell us a bit about who you are and what it is that you do um my name's moz um founder of cosmosha music essentially management company record label um I guess club promotions as well, and future clothing label. Yeah, that's me. Sick. Okay, so before we delve into what Cosa Nostra is and stands for, mm. like, how did you start out in this music industry? Where was your first footsteps, baby steps? Um, well, I started by being a fan of music. Uh used to share music with people as you know you joe basically friends from school used to download shit illegally whoops um make like mixtapes and playlists and shit um then as you know we created a blog one day called we are sme um i don't really know how but 
we sort of built a reputation off the back of that. People started to to go on it, share it. Um, then we got nominated for was it Record of the Day Awards? Yeah, best blog. Yeah, three years in the three road. years on the trot. Um, and I think it was at the first point, the first nomination we got that first year. I think I realised I was working in Camden Council. And I realized I could probably do something with this music luck, which I'd never really considered before. It was just like a hobby. Yeah. And then, oh, we were doing interviews and I went to, I went to Warner, went to interview Stushy um, for the blog. And then I met my future boss, a guy called Sam Stubbings. Um, he was the head of digital marketing at Warner. And I just basically, I hustled, I just went in the building um, went and saw like a mutual friend, a guy called Yoni, who was working there. And I was just basically just hustle, just network, try and met as many people as I could. Ended up meeting this guy, Sam, and I just stuck it on him. I was like, are there any jobs going? Um, and he was like, oh yeah, like I, I know your blog. Like, yeah, definitely like take this email and email me. So I emailed him and then like two days later, I went in for an interview and then had a job within like a week as an intern. Then I went to 679 Records. Worked there for a year. And what was your role at the intern at Warner? Was it just general? And then it was, was digital marketing at Warner, which was wicked because I like, I sort of made it what I wanted to make it. My boss was pretty liberal, so I got to like go on like all the shoots and go to the studio and just threw me around everywhere. Um, and then this job at 679 came up, which was like one of my favorite labels ever. Obviously, it was the home of Skinner in the streets and Kano. So I went and worked there for a year. And then the label ended up um, shutting down. A guy called Nick Worthington um, decided to stop stop the label and set up a new thing. So I went back to Warner um, as a marketing, digital market manager. Then I left and went to Island Records. Same role. Worked there for a year. Worked on like... Drake, um, Nick Brewer, uh, Dizzy Rascal, yeah, a bunch of cool shit. And then I started to like fall out of love with music, which was a bit mad. Music or the industry? The industry, about both simultaneously. Yeah. And what do you think the cause of that was? Um, the culture. I felt like people and I were losing sight of what makes it fun and what makes it mm. like an art form and like creative industry. And it was very much like, I think the places that I'd worked before, even though Warner was like a major label, it was still very much like artist first, artist friendly. And I just felt like when I got to Universal, I was like warned that it's like a machine. And I was like, how bad could this be? Like, can't be that bad, come on. Mm. It was just a bit mad, really, because, like, this, they've got so many artists, so many incredible artists, but you just lose, like, you lose sight of, like, the creative aspect when, like, you work too hard and too much, I mm -hmm. think. So I, like, lost sight of, like, what I've actually started this for. And, like, I was, like, four years deep into a career that I never really intended on having. It started as, like, a hobby, and then... I was like, rah, like, this is a real job. This is mad. It was the first time I actually felt like a job. Yeah. 
Whereas until then, it never felt like a job. It was still kind of fun and you felt yeah. like, yeah. It was like honeymoon period. Yeah, yeah. But then like, I just weren't vibing with it, man. There's a lot of great people there, but I just couldn't, I don't know, it was just like a different culture. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I just, I had to like rethink what I was doing. So I just left with like no, I had an idea. Because basically I was managing Jay Prince. So like, that's obviously what I do now. And I started managing him while I was at Ireland. Um, so I was like, you know what, like worst case scenario, I just leave and like just work with him yeah. and then see what I can do. So in in just in the kind of time frame, this is around what like 2014. Yeah, 2015, maybe early 2015, maybe. No, I think it was 2014. So this is kind of before. Um, what am I trying to say? This is kind of before UK music started <laughs> bubbling again. So this is while it was still very much. Yeah, it was a bit of a tough period. To yeah. Be honest can't really think of anything that was like mad exciting that i was working on like there was obviously like some cool stuff but nothing was like popping yeah everything that was popping was us really Mm. well this is like this was like key kind of drake two chains rick ross yeah Yeah. it was that kind of we were working that was it young money stuff yeah that was it that was that was all you heard weekend was obviously like blown up at that point yeah it's all you heard in clubs all you heard in the radio it's all we were blogging about Mm -hmm. that's all anyone was blogging about yeah in and indie music was still like yeah pretty prominent as well which island did a lot of like mumford and sons and Mm. bombay bicycle club they were like the key like artists but that was the different side of the label that i was working on um so yeah and then so i stepped away and then basically my guy who used to run warner set up a company called good soldier songs with this guy called christian tatsfield and um basically a mate of mine who worked there called charlie moss hit me up and was like yo like i heard you're leaving do you want to come and work for us and I basically had to like be convinced, to be honest with you, that I wanted to like go back and work for a company, but it was an independent, so it was like a really, it was like an easier transition, like it was mm. like a stepping stone to getting out. And Christian was amazing because he was like, he basically said to me straight up, "If you fuck off and find the next Adele in like a few months' time, then I will never hold it against you. Just come here, do what you have to do." Um, and then see where it takes you. So mm. I went and worked there for like six months. And then Jay got his first um, US tour with Soul Action. So I left and went on that tour. And then now I'm here. And what was it that made you dislike working for a big company? Because you wanted to step out of Ireland. What was it about that that you didn't enjoy? I think it boils down to your character as a person. I don't think there's like anything implicitly wrong with companies i think there's a lot that could be said for it like there's definitely things that i would change if i like headed up a company um one of the main things being like taking like a more personal approach to like to everything and treating human beings like humans rather than machines Mm. i feel like that's i think that's a lot that's wrong with companies is that they don't appreciate the human aspect. They like sort of see people as like a headcount, like a figure. Do you mm. know what I mean? And it's all about like turnover and like, you know, are you delivering? And... But yeah, some people thrive in that and I just don't. I'm at the core, I'm a creative, I'm an entrepreneur. I got to where I got to from just doing stuff. I never really like 
thinking too much about it, just creating and it took me places. So I think you're, I think there's two types of people. I think it's one person, a type of person who works well within a structure and be it a corporate structure or a company. Or there's people who just don't respond to that well mm. and are better off being free mm. to create and I guess be themselves and be entrepreneurs and I'm just the latter, basically. Mm. And having no, I guess, restrictions in terms of pressure and not pressure, yeah. like that's probably not the right word, but kind of someone checking what time you're getting into work, yeah. you know, making sure you're not clocking off early, making sure you're not doing this, you are doing this, you are... You know, yeah. that, those kind of work pressures rather than pressure to, yeah. to, what's the word, like work hard or do a job. Or... Yeah, I mean, there's more pressure on me now than there ever was because I put that pressure on myself mm. and I think that's the best type of pressure. Yeah. I just don't respond well to restraints, restrictions. Mm. Um, really like being told you, you can or can't do something. Yeah, basically. It's like you want to be able to say well, I want to do that, I can do it. Okay, if it hasn't worked out, it hasn't worked out. Yeah. Rather than someone going, no, you can't do that. Yeah, basically. Without reason. Just restrictions, man, mm. to everything. Red tape, egos as well. Egos is a mm. quite a big thing, you know, especially like, you know, I think some certain people aren't made to be bosses, mm. for example, and mm. I definitely came across one of those. And that stifles you. Like one person can like change everything, mm. you know, and if, if if you're not gonna like dethrone them so to speak or like they're not going anywhere then you're better off not working within that culture i think because it will just crush you so yeah i guess just freedom more than anything man freedom to be able to like create do what i want challenge myself not being told what i can and can't do um not having to reply or respond to anyone sorry yeah i just thrive better with like self pressure Mm rather than someone else like telling me what to do mm. and what not to do. Yeah. Where do you think that mentality comes from? Uh, I was thinking about this quite a lot lately. Because um, I've got a theory. Yeah. But I want to hear yours first and then see what you think about my one. I think I take a lot of my traits in that, like being entrepreneurial. I think I take a lot of that from my uncle because he sort of I like looked up to him and still do to this day he sort of you know came from nothing became like very successful very rich at like a young age and like he's someone that I really looked up to from like a young age from like as as early as I can remember I used to look at my uncle and think right I want to be that guy and he's in like a completely different world like he's he's a stockbroker so mm-hmm. like it couldn't be further detached from mm-hmm. like being creative but he's an entrepreneur at the end of the day and like he always sort of instilled in me to like take chances take risks like don't be like don't be constrained to like you know life i guess and like, i just used to look at what he did and like he traveled the world and he used to take risks and work his ass off and it's a completely different world but like, i think i just took a lot from that and I think his success like naturally drove me and I'm, I'm well, I've got so far to go, but like, yeah, mm. I don't think I'd be here now if like I didn't have someone like him. And then my dad as well. Like, I, I mean, when I grew up, like he wasn't around loads cause he was basically working so much. So I guess subconsciously, like that's probably instilled in me mm. to like work hard and like he had his own business. So I don't think like 
I don't think I learned from like my dad directly as in like he sat me down and like told me about shit but like mm. probably subconsciously I think I took a lot from like his work rate mm. and his like entrepreneurial spirit um and then my granddad was like the fucking king of like work hard be respectful uh carry yourself well um just do right by yourself so I've just always been a hard worker I guess but mm. I think yeah in terms of like I think I've covered the entrepreneurial part, but not the creative mm. part. But the creative part probably comes from like our group of friends. I think mm. probably because I don't know where it started. To be honest with you, like we've always just done shit. Yeah, and it always come up with mad ideas. It's like parties or like remember when you're doing your t-shirts and that. Just like mad. Shout out Murky Jink. Jeez, matting Murky Jink, bro. <laughs> like just. Yeah, just creating. I don't know, man. Just guess it was in me somewhere, mm. and I found it one day. Stumbled across it, like legit. Just stumbled across it. Just and I think over the course of like six, seven years of like my working life, I just realized what I'm good at. It takes time, but yeah, I got there. I think, mm. and I realized what I'm good at, and I think that's like creating, driving things from like the bottom up, being like hands on just hustling mm. so before i get onto my theory um you, you spoke about your uncle and your dad and your granddad mm. who's the person that you've learned the most from kind of directly and what's the the most important thing that you've been taught by them mm. either through experience or directly them telling you stuff okay i'll reel off something so because i'll just tell you what comes to mind straight away because that's probably what's best mm. um my granddad, again, just work hard, carry your name, carry your family name well, you know, be respectful, be respected. So I definitely learned loads from him in that aspect. Um, take risks from my uncle. Obviously, my family hardworking as well, so that's, that goes without saying. Then I think in terms of, like, a career point of view, again, like, it came to, like, when I was 18, I think it's 18, you like choose when you go to uni and that. And then obviously like bare people going to uni and I just didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Like, I had no idea. Like, I just wanted to be a stockbroker. I just wanted to be rich in it. Mm. So like, you know, people, as you know, in it, everyone was going to uni. Mm. I think it was like me and you, like the only people who yeah. didn't, like, everyone went. And I was just like, yo, I don't know what to do. Like I need to speak to people. So I spoke to my uncle about it and he basically said to me like, look, if you don't know what you want to do, don't go. He's like, unless you want to go and do medicine, or you want to go and do law, there's no point because obviously there's a point, but like in my scenario, he felt like I should just go and work and find out what I want to do mm. and then work my way up once I find out what I want to do. So that changed my life, of course, because I could have gone to uni and just studied like, I don't know, like events or like media or just like some next thing that put me in debt and never really got me to where I am. Whereas like I just went and worked and, became an intern and worked my way up so I would have had like less experience than I do now mm. and then within actual music I learned a lot from a guy called Nick Worthington who I mentioned ran 679 records he was like he was a pioneer an entrepreneur um, so I really looked up to him and tried to like absorb as much knowledge as I could from him Christian Tatsfield as well he once said to me whatever you do 
when you're working in music, always do something else on the side. Because basically that's something that like he always advocated was like, just do more than one thing because you've always got more to bring to the table and you've yeah. got, you know, you've got more opportunities for success and everything sort of cross pollinates. So I've always maintained like doing stuff on the side, like whether it's like our parties or, you know, I'm going to start this, this clothing label. So that's something that I really like, I took on and I've, I've always done stuff on the side anyway, but like to hear that from someone so senior, it was like encouraging to say that like, yeah, you know what, you're doing the right thing. Just keep doing it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, they're probably the things that stand out most. Knowledge, there's knowledge in there. Matt. Matt Ting. I'm lucky to have worked with these people. Yeah. Also, it's kind of like, um, it's that, again, breeding that entrepreneurial nature isn't it mm. like from what nick told you is he's basically saying yeah do your job but do another thing just that, as that like was christian a, yeah a christian sorry and it's also it just helps take your mind off work people consume themselves with work and don't necessarily follow their passions yeah so, it just gives you more purpose man and mm. life's all about purpose and like i just don't think you should be constrained to like one narrative like you should have multiple narr- narratives and no, like a storyline doesn't have one character, does it? It's like mm. got multiple characters. Yeah. Like, that's part of the journey. Yeah. So my theory, okay. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to touch on something that I'm not sure many people are aware of. Matting. Is, you, you know, what's coming in. No, I don't. Okay. Uh, so you had a very serious freaking operation. Oh, matting, yeah. Like life-changing, like very serious. Like Yeah, life-threatening. Life-threatening, that's the word. Yeah. Um, Half your liver taken out. Two-thirds. Two-thirds. <laughs> And for me, and we can delve into like your side of the story in terms of the experience. But for me, I saw a change in your mentality from the recovery in terms of like, even now, like your drive is Mm. like on a hundred all the time. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know too many people like that. Mm. And for me, I kind of see it as, and it might be a subconscious thing. Mm. You obviously might not be that aware of it, but like what I'm trying to say is it's that thing of, you should be dead. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. and whether that's like a subconscious thought within you yeah. that you, you just think, do you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. I'm going to take on my own thing. I'm going to, I'm going to live this life as I want to live it and not as someone else is telling me to live it. Yeah. I see a lot of it coming from that. Yeah. I but definitely think it's subconscious because like, it's obviously not something you dwell on every day. No, but, and that's probably yeah. why, isn't it? You just, I think, you just put it to the back. Not even to put it to the back of your head, but like that's just like part of my story and like my journey in it. But yeah, like, I'm not gonna lie. It probably does like. It must push me on in it. It must spur mm. me, inside. Like mm. it has to, because it gives you like a purpose. It's like right, okay. Like that happened. I could have been gone like three times over. Mm. There's a reason that like, I'm here in it. Mm. And then sometimes I think when I like question what I'm doing, that does pop up. It's mm. like, nah, like you're meant to be here in it. Like you're here for a purpose. Mm. Like this isn't all just coincidence or whatever. Like we say it all the time in it. Like things happen and you're like, nah, that can't be coincidence. Like that's meant to be, that's fate. Like, or it's the universe or whatever. I think subconsciously, like it's definitely always there and it pops up into my conscious every now and then where I'm like, don't doubt like where you are, like your journey. Cause like I'm a massive believer in like, in your journey and like everyone's got their journey and i think you should just believe in it and just as long as like you know your trajectory is like upwards and you're working hard and you're doing all the right things like your journey is your journey and you'll get to wherever your destination is eventually 
So I think, yeah, definitely, like, I, I can't lie, it definitely pops up every now and then, but I think it's more of a subconscious thing for the for the best part. Like, I didn't just go, like, rah, yeah, man died, like, nah, <laughs> man nearly died, like, I'm going to go and become this person. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just, like, always been in me to yeah. do it, but maybe when I need it to, like, drive me. That pushes the tipping yeah. point in terms of really, like, having... Yeah, I think so. That focus, or not... I Maybe think it just gives me that ability to like not take it for granted as well. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't think is replaceable by anything other than like your your previous like experiences of yeah. life. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you only get one shot at this life. Exactly. Thing. And if you can see like... The end of the road, which you pretty much did. Yeah. Then that... You just realise like how short life is and like... But also, like, how but it's got a negative effect as well. Yeah, like, sometimes I just want to do too much, like, too yeah. soon, and like, I'm just like constantly fucking working yeah. and constantly like hustling. But mm. I don't see it as a negative. But yeah, I could chill out every now and then. But mm. I probably don't because I'm just mm. so like, nah, mm. I've got to get there. On that note, there, like, we were talking on the way up here about and um, trying to manage your mind and your thoughts better when mm. things do get busy or stressful so what what's your kind of how do you step out of a situation in terms of you're doing what you're doing you know you just mentioned you're hustling all the time mm. you're dealing with you know tens of people at a time mm. hundreds of emails you know egos this that and the other mm. you know you're doing it all by yourself essentially with mm -hmm. with very little help from anyone else mm. you, you're like a one-man business like what what's your I want to say escape, but what, what's your like management away from that, if that makes sense? Um, I just always try and remind myself and I think just everyone that like is in the same game as us that like we work in music. Like I'm not, I'm not saving people's lives. I'm not like, I'm not operating. I'm not a doctor. I'm not like a lawyer. I'm not like putting people in prison or saving them for like it's just music mm. at the end of the day and like it's not that deep <laughs> i said it before and i'm yeah. saying it again like it's just not that deep and you know obviously like it's my it's my bread and butter like it's what i live and breathe and like it's what ultimately i think you know I, i'm gonna be in for like the rest of my working life and you know it's what hopefully is gonna make me like successful but at the same time i'm blessed to be doing this and not something else mm. And it's, you know, it's an, we work in an entertainment industry and at the point that it doesn't become entertaining for you, whatever part you're playing in that, you're losing sight of like what you're doing. Yeah. It ha it should be entertaining. Like I started because it was fun and like it was music and I loved it and that shouldn't change even though I'm like X amount of time in this job, that job. I don't think that should ever change. So I think that's just what I try and like, instill like in myself and have done all the time and try and like tell other people that you know it's just it's music in it so how crazy can it drive you like it can drive you as crazy as you want it to like don't get me wrong it's like it's a roller coaster but it's entertainment mm. so yeah i think that's what keeps me sane and football <laughs> if i didn't have football i don't know what i'd do because that's where i'm like not thinking about anything yeah saturday sunday watching playing I just don't think about nothing. Just think about... Just in the moment. Yeah, man. And playing. Just playing football and having a laugh. Yeah. And then back on it again, like, Monday. Mm. I try and have weekends, like, to relax. I'm a do, big... you do you find that's 
an important yeah massive man so important i think like i think people who like 24 7 are just killing themselves like i'm 24 7 like monday friday but like you just have to have your own time Mm. you have to have like time for your friends your family Mm. your girlfriend whoever it is like you have to have time for them and then for yourself yeah and if you don't have that it's going to jeopardize everything you're doing in your like quote unquote working life yeah so you have to have that time and i think that's definitely as well what keeps it balanced is being able to go yeah man smashed it that week let's have some time off to like refresh mm-hmm. get your head back in the game just not think about too much and then get back on it i think it's important and then obviously like i'm on the road a lot so there'd be times where like for like two three weeks i'm away from home and like i'm constantly on because like i'm constantly like tour managing mm-hmm. managing djing emails everything so then I need to have time when I come back to be like, right, okay, mm. let me switch off for a couple of days. And I'm lucky enough to be able to do that. Mm. So, so touching on more recent work, yeah. like you mentioned Jay already, you know, what you're doing with Cosa Nostra. Like how, how did that journey start with Jay? Like, because you've been working, working together what, two years, two and a half years? Yeah, it's about two and a half now, I think. Like how how did that journey start? How did you, A, come across him? How did you approach him about management in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, what was it about him that you thought, I actually want to give this a shot, uh, et cetera? Like. Um, I found him on SoundCloud. Um, I was working at Ireland, probably just like trying to keep my sanity, <laughs> listening to music, whatever. And uh, I found him on SoundCloud. I found Stay On My Call. And it was just like, just it just like sounded like nothing I've ever heard before. Like, and he was UK, and it just it, it sounded like UK, but like with like international appeal. Life just it just sounded like well produced, well mixed, like clear vocals. Mm. You couldn't quite distinguish where he was from, but if you listened hard enough, like he's UK. It just sounded like professional. Mm. And obviously at the time, like, like our scene wasn't thriving back then, like three years ago. Like it's only been in the last like couple of years that it started to come through. And I've just felt like he just sounds different. Like mm. still he, to this day, he still sounds mm. different. And like, it's a problem. It's a blessing and a curse. Mm. Like it's, it's amazing because we get to tour the world, but you know, he's not quite as accepted here as like, I think he should be because he doesn't sound like everyone else. Mm so i think that was just the appeal to me it was like something i'd never heard before i could hear like i could just hear the potential in him so i just hit him up and like i wasn't believe you me i wasn't just hitting up artists being like yo i want to work with you like he was the first and only artist i hit up at the time dm'd him slid in and then just basically built a relationship from there man just like built the trust built the respect I was just, he wasn't managed at the time. Um, and then, I mean, it took like, it took probably like six months before like we, I guess, formalized working together. Um, I helped him put out, I guess, like his breakthrough single, which was called Polaroids. Um, I was on the review show on Radio 1, played that on there. 
it comes second to like Miley Cyrus or some shit, but it's still mad because like no one knew who he was, but like they were messing with the song. Mm. Then got it up on SoundCloud. It got like a million plays in like a pretty short period of time. Um, and then, yeah, like started working together formally. And then about six months after that, we went on tour together. And then, yeah. This was with Soul Election? Yeah, Soul Election, yeah. And was that was that something that was already in the pipelines? or was Because he was already at the point where you discovered him. He was just a kid making music in his bedroom, but he'd already had yeah. that tie-in with Joe. No, so it hadn't like, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like an established like. They were just messing with his tunes. Basically. Yeah, it I think they. like a formal. Polaroids is like the song that like took him there. Like I think he met them. So like the, the relationship comes through him. Um, he like met them when they were in town. Um, and then I think like someone crashed at his house or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, like that was, that was like early days in his relationship. And then it wasn't until we put Polaroids out. I think they, I think they found him because Stu did a remix of Stay On My Call. So I feel like that's how he was put on their radar, but like, there wasn't like, like any significant support from them at all until we put out Polaroids. And then obviously like they were like fully involved and mm. like they were fucking with the music um I remember I was on like Skype calls with them and shit early on. They were like sussing me out. Mm. Like, who's this guy? <laughs> What's he saying? Um and then yeah, like obviously like I built a relationship with them and then we sorted out this tour of North America and that was when was it? I think it was two years ago. Yeah, it was incredible. Mad team. Was that was that the year where they had their South by Southwest showcase? Yes. Or was that? Yeah, same year. Same yeah, year. yeah, same year, same year. Um, we basically did like I think it was ten shows. Went to like Toronto, um, Denver, New York, L.A., Chicago, Seattle. It was mad. Went everywhere. That's when I was like, wow, like this is this is like, I did the right thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I literally left my job, like. Pretty much for that yeah, moment. Yeah, and it was really. basically like about three, four weeks before the actual tour started. So I was like, I was just in limbo and then this tour came and I was like, yeah, it will make sense now. Like I just saw it, do you know what I mean? Mm. I could see the light and I was like, I was meant to be there. It was exciting. It's like, it's just beautiful to see it. Whereas like up until then, I'd always been sat behind the desk mm. working on music mm. and that's for me not what it was about yeah. like seeing seeing like the behind the scenes like I started like tour managing and you know all like the, the live stuff like sound checking and then the actual day of the show and just everything about it was just like exciting to me just like got the buzz basically caught the buzz and what did you do to uh, build on that hype because what you've done between then and now has been quite, you know, yeah. there's been numerous tours and there's been numerous releases mm. and, you know, radio mm. plays and et cetera, et cetera. Like, how did you build on that? That, I guess, hype is the... Um, I just think you have to have, I have to have a strategy and like a, like a clear, a clear like path that like you want to take. I think you should have that with like any 
I'm speaking from like a manager point of view here, but I feel like you should know like who your artist is, where they should be going and what it takes to get there. And then you sort of like work backwards. Mm. So like I've always just taken what I've learned from working at labels and had that like release structure, like, you know, timeline strategy, understanding how the game works and applied it to being an independent manager slash artist and it's probably something that like i know it's something that he didn't have at the time you know he sort of just make tunes in his bedroom and put them on soundcloud so i think it was just a matter of like taking that talent and giving it giving it context and like giving it a plan and a strategy and you know i think as long as you've got a plan and you execute it it's, it's only going to progress you mm -hmm. unless it's like a bad plan but yeah i think that's that was the core of it ultimately it was like let me take what's great about this and that's the music and give it give it a plan, give it structure, a release strategy and then hustle. That's the core of everything. Mm. Just literally hustle, go and meet everyone, tell the world about him. You just have to be like your own PR team, I guess. And it's hopefully paying off slowly. Obviously, we've got a long way to go, but yeah, structure and just hard work. So moving forward, mm. what's the kind of, what's the next steps? What's, what's going to take Jay from where he is now, the work you guys have put in for the last two years onto that, push him onto that next level? Uh, if I knew that, I would have done it <laughs> two years ago. Fair enough. Uh Mate, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, let's be honest, like most of us that work in music don't really know what's going on half the time. We're just like mm. cracking on. Everything, like the, the game is changing by like the month, by the year. And all I can say is that we'll just continue to like maintain momentum because I think that is everything. The second you lose momentum, you can stagnate and just fall off. So mm. at the core of everything that I do, what that we do is like maintaining momentum because I just believe that as long as like you're you're moving onwards and upwards and everything that you do next is like better and bigger, you're ultimately gonna get there eventually. Yeah. There being like, you know, I guess a, a an element or like a like a, a certain success that like you're content with and like for me it's like, you know, I want Jay to be huge like, mm. i wanted to be a superstar like, mm. i wouldn't ever i don't know i, I wouldn't want to like work on anything or with anyone that you know wasn't going to be huge because you got to shoot for the stars mm. so yeah i just think i don't have the answer to that question i think if anyone did they'd be billionaires multi-billionaires but I'm just going to keep applying like everything I know and everything I learn, like just keep learning and applying it, learn, apply. And I think we'll get there because I think quality will, you know, it always cuts through in the end mm. and we'll just keep putting out great music, a constant, consistent supply of great music. Keep touring, keep spreading the word. And then, yeah, keep hoping that the stars align. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's not been bad so far. I mean, if you took yeah. if you if you took a twenty year old, twenty one year old kid from uni, mm. which is what Jay was doing at the time, who was making music in their bedroom and said, "Yeah, we're gonna go on a 
North American tour of Soul Action. We're going to do a European tour of Chance of Rapper. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know, X, Y, and Z. We're going to work with this person, that person. Yeah. They'd bite your hand off right now. Yeah, it's a bit mad. Like, we've done loads. But I just can't ever, like, rest on that. Mm. But yeah, of course. I just, I don't know, man. I just, like, even you saying that to me, I'm still just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'd like to, like, I'd like to enjoy it more. Mm. But I just, I'll enjoy it, like, when... I don't know, man. They always say, like, you should enjoy the journey, in it. Yeah. But I do enjoy it, 100%. It's incredible. It keeps me going. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't really, like, dwell on the success because I don't see it as, like, true success, if that makes mm. sense. Like, I don't see it as, like... Supporting Chance the Rapper is great, and I don't want to come across, like, a prick or anything, but, like, it doesn't really change your life. Mm. Like, it changes your life in terms of, like, a an experience point of view and it was like it was incredible and it was life-changing in that like you know what an incredible experience and like it's a once in a lifetime opportunity but then at the same time i'm like that's where we should be yeah just another step forward in the right direction essentially and i'd I'd be disappointed if it wasn't happening Mm. yeah rather than i'm great okay so maybe i'm grateful that it's happening but i'm not like i'm not like dwelling on it too Mm. much because I'm grateful that it's happened, but at the same time, I'd be disappointed in myself like, if it wasn't happening. Because I feel like it's the right of passage. Like he deserves to be on that stage, mm. and like we've worked hard enough to get there. But I'm incredibly grateful mm. for that opportunity because yeah. they could have picked anyone in the world, but they chose him. So like, man, mm. what an you know what an incredible thing to yeah. to get from someone. But then at the same time, like you know, it's what we're working towards. Yeah. And like, if it wasn't happening, I guess, like I said, I'd just be a bit like frustrated. So I guess it does give you like it, those those moments, like give you like renewed energy because it's like it sort of like certifies what you're doing. It says like you know what, like you're on the right path. But there's not many moments like that. You get like a couple a year when you're like, yo, okay, yeah, this is starting to make sense mm-hmm. now. Like things are falling into place. Um, so yeah man amazing like amazing experiences but just part of the journey man just got to keep keep focused and crack on because I think the second you start to dwell on those things and think you've made it (laughs) your time's gone Mm. like if we just sat on that tour and we were just like yo yeah we just toured with Chance like that's mad like we've made it but it's like 4,000 more stories to Mm. walk up like that's not even the start like a, a, a support slot doesn't change your life it's it's a great catalyst and it's a great story and like you know in like 10 years time we'll look at look back on it and you know it's it'll be clear that it was like a moment mm. within that that story and that journey yeah. but ultimately like as long as you you have to like capitalize and you have to like keep building and there's no point in like looking at it and dwelling on it and looking back at it sitting there thinking oh yeah that's all sick and i'm not doing anything with it like, that's why i think i don't dwell on those moments because i'm like okay cool we've got that tour, like, what are we doing next? Like, who are we touring with in America? Mm. Like, what are we rele- releasing? Like, how are we getting those fans that were on that tour to, like, fuck with the new music? Like, yeah. there's always, like, something after it. So I can't really think about that moment. I'm always thinking about how are we capitalizing on it because mm. we just can't afford the time to, like, rest on that. Mm. What was the, what was the, what was the biggest thing you learned from being on tour with Chance? That you can do it on your own? without a label and 
without anyone telling you what to do and what not to do and like and also I think above all that you can do it being like a legit amazing human being because him and everyone on their team are like the most stand-up honest nice respectable polite friendly like real people mm. that I've ever met and mm. we're not talking about like one person here we're talking about like 10 10 people who are like all incredible people and you know they're like you know they're on a level where there's you know where you know how much higher or bigger can you go from there mm. and yet they're so humble yeah and real and yeah man I just think that's what I, I took from it is that you can play by your own rules and I guess not like sell your soul. Mm. You can still be, a, you know, a great person and not be rude or arrogant or, or whatever to get to that point. And they've managed to do both. They've managed to do it on their own terms and maintain their like human. Yeah. Yeah. What? So there's a lot of people I speak to, right? Who like the idea of, becoming a manager can you break down exactly the things that you would do how as a manager how so long like, have you got <laughs> uh, about 45 minutes over already no we? just like even if it's just like bullet pointing like so you, let's say you've got an artist the yeah. artist is about to release an ep like what yeah. are the the things that you have to do in order to get that ep out there and not just to get it out there but also mm -hmm. to make people aware of it from you know PR to radio to etc etc like what are the what are those um, processes just so people can understand the kind of role of a manager well, I guess it starts with the music and obviously you have to have like a strong enough body of work so I guess there's an element of A&R that goes into management depending on like who you're working with um, I'm fortunate enough to have like found an artist who's like incredibly consistent and prolific so the reality is i don't really have to worry too much about the music i sort of like just help him fine-tune things here and there at this point and ultimately like i let him create and then he brings me whatever it is mixtape or an ep and then i'll just offer feedback based on like mm. you know running order or edits in the track you know rearranging stuff um so i guess yeah an element of a and r on what level depends on the artist but then there's obviously the creative so you know like artwork commissioning video commissioning presenting a fully rounded product so you've got the music then you've got visuals and artwork that you know you're selling the product at the end of the day so it has to look great um so yeah there's that element of it the creative aspect and then getting it out um, I guess that starts with putting a team together. You want you want a PR, you want a radio plugger, um, you want to have a live agent mm. to capitalize on you know, whatever record you're putting out mm. if there's a demand for live and stuff. For people who don't know, what, what are the roles of all those three people? Um, so PR essentially is um, publicist, publicity. So getting your song, EP, mixtape, whatever it is, to publications um majority of the time if you're like a developing artist um it's just online so blogs basically and then there's print press as well obviously so that's you know 
magazines, newspapers. Then Radio Plugger plugs your songs to radio, gets it on the radio stations, gets it to the DJs. And then Live Agent obviously books the shows. Lawyer is pretty important. Um, Dude, tend to be the most connected people in music as well. Yeah, they do man. everything. Yeah, because like they just know everyone. The unsung heroes of the music industry. Like, if you, yeah, want, if you want a good connection, go meet a good music lawyer. Pretty much, man. Um, that's pretty important as well. Um, you never know what might happen. You know, you might get a record deal or a publishing deal. So I think it's important, firstly, to have a lawyer in place for that and also hopefully bring stuff to the table. Um, I'm trying to think if I should give this one away. Um <laughs> In this day and age, I think it's important to have a playlist plugger and or a good distributor. Um, mm. So basically, if you get a good distributor, um, there's loads out there. Some will take a percentage of your royalties. Some will take a flat fee. Um, but if you can get the right one, ultimately, like their job is to get it to Spotify. Firstly, they'll upload it into the system. Mm -hmm. So like it'll be available to play on all of those platforms but if you get a right distributor part of their job is to also actually like promote that project that release and get it or try to get it into playlists which i think is is what everyone should be focusing on right now and we have definitely done a lot of that lately to great success mm. um so yeah distributor and then Word of mouth, I guess, and that's part and parcel of like the artist's relationships with influencers, fellow artists, and the manager's relationships with all of the above, man. Because you know, you can pay someone to do a job, but it's always better to do it yourself. So, I've always found that with everything that we've done, I always try and double up on, on everything, whether it's like sending it to like all of the writers that I know, sending it to the DJs that I know having those relationships with the, the streaming guys with the playlist guys um just covering all bases just double up and then hope everyone likes it if it's shit music you're fucked basically yeah. well, <laughs> if it's good it does itself you know it does its own job but i always say as well that like you could have the greatest album of all time but if no one hears it then it's not the greatest album mm. of all time yeah so what, if you could pick one of those things from radio to live to press yeah, to really help elevate what you're doing, yeah, what would it be out of the three? Manager. Manager, because the person that cares about it the most is the manager and all the artists, obviously. Yeah. Like, they the go artist, hand yeah. in hand, yeah. So let's say the person who cares about it the most on that team is the manager. Mm. They should do. Um, mm. And I think ultimately you're always, you know, you're you're paying someone else to do a job. Like you're paying someone for a service. You're like employing everyone else. And don't get me wrong, like those people can definitely deliver. But I think ultimately you should always like drive from within because at the end of the day like you could change that pr you can change that plugger you can change this that and the other but ultimately like i as a manager should be doing the most work and the hardest work to get it to everyone mm -hmm. i just feel like if you take 
this sounds like egotistical but like if you take me out of that equation the project doesn't do anywhere near as well as it should because the manager is like the glue that keeps it all yeah. together and it keeps the communication lines flowing between the pr and the plugger and circulating the information you know you could take any one of those people out of that equation if you had to obviously ideally you've got everyone singing off the same hymn sheet and you know everything's moving really nicely and it's like a tiny operation but if you were to take one of those people out the last person i think you'd want to take out is a manager because he's the person who like keeps it all together mm. okay i agree to be fair um, and then it's also circumstantial as well i think it's like depends how like early or late you are in your career and like, how much you need any one of those people like you might not need a live agent because like you've never done a show in your life and like you might not be ready to perform or you might not need a lawyer because you're nowhere near getting a deal or so i guess pr is pretty fucking important yeah first and foremost uh, if you're going to get anything is get a pr okay and what what's your proudest achievement to date um deciding to set my own company up and just doing it alone yeah. taking that risk and just running with it like breaking free from i guess like the shackles in it it's like you just think you, like you're in the system and like it's easy to like get to, to stay there like i was earning like really good money but i can't like you can't put a price on happiness and you know i've seen the world and i'm still seeing more of the world as a result and you can't replace that so i think just that taking that plunge man taking that step because mm. it's not easy man it's not easy to like get out and then i guess maintain it mm. so the company cosa nostra mm. what's the ultimate ultimate aim ultimate goal i'm still trying to work it out man um so you got the label part yeah i know where i know what i want it to be how i get there I, I, i'm still trying to work out because like i said like the business is moving everything's changing everything's mm. changed like you look back like six seven years ago ten years ago two years ago this it's different everything changed from the internet like, the internet came in the game changed completely streaming come in game changed completely we don't even know what's next so ultimately i want it to be i want it to be like a respected recognized brand um and by brand i mean like in all aspects of of the business like i want it to be a record label a clothing label uh, a promotions company like parties um i'd love to do publishing um and obviously ultimately management as well which is like what has started everything mm. but you know it could evolve as time goes on but i'm still trying to work out the best structure for it to like really grow but yeah, ultimately, I just want it to be an all-encompassing company, like a respected brand. Then, mm. you know, I look at something like OVO, which is, you know, everything they put out is pretty consistent and like mm. respected. And I guess it's like a similar model that I want to replicate in that. You know, they do, they put out great music. They have an artist that spearheads that, and they have a clothing label, and it's just a respected global brand. Mm radio show which is also another kind of cre creative outlet for them yeah yeah i just want it to be like a respected brand and a respected platform whatever people come to it for whether it's for clothes or for music or 
whatever it may be i just want it to be recognized and on a global scale is is definitely the priority because i'm i'm very much like focused on on an international like story Mm. and you know building connections in the states and in europe not just in the uk i want to be rich (laughs) (laughs) so that's everyone that's the goal play the lottery (laughs) rich and happy because that's when you completed like cheat code yeah if you can like get paid to do what you love then boy real life cheat codes you've won yeah okay so last couple of questions first one if we could roll back the time so back in school yeah and you could give your younger self some advice yeah i think one thing i would tell kids to do is just like explore if you feel like you're creative in any way just explore that however you feel you can just do everything because something will stick eventually mm. and it's probably like something i didn't do enough like i sort of i stumbled like across what i wanted to do or like my creativity you know years later whereas in school the thing is man we were from a different time yeah. that's why i'm trying to like i can't really like no but i mean just put it into my situation yeah but even just like a, on a personal level like if you could i know it's obviously kids in school these days different because like we didn't even have facebook in school, that's what i'm saying it's like when, when you're saying so to me mad. like what would you do differently this and the other like i yeah. did the best with what i had at my disposal mm-hmm. and i can't put myself in the position of a kid now where they can set up a YouTube channel or an Instagram or mm. whatever and just create. But I can tell them that's what they should do, I guess. Mm. It's like, you know, make use of, of everything that you've got at your disposal, man. Like, use the internet. Like, it's it's the best thing that ever happened to mm. the best and the worst thing, depending on how you look at it. But it can be the best thing ever for you. Like, mm. it, it got where you are and where i am are today like we Mm. wouldn't be here if we didn't have the internet and then set up a blog but we didn't have that in school i guess like to the extent that they do now it's like just dead out like rubbish computers but i think i just encourage people to explore their creativity man as early as they can you know do music like that's one thing yes (laughs) i should have done music i wanted to but like the teacher was dead no, it was just like the Neeks who did it, and it it was like we went to an all boys school. Like if you got caught doing music, it was just it wasn't cool. But look at where I am it's now. Mad. Do you know what I mean? The people that did music in school were like what you'd define as like yeah. geeky people. Yeah, and yet here we are working in music, and people were like, "Oh my god, your job's so cool!" Like, yeah, it's but mad. in school, if you did music, it weren't cool. You were like the least cool kid ever. Mm. I used to respect those kids because, like, I used to like mm. I never I wasn't a prick and I used to have time for everyone. But like, if you were to go on like the school book of like perception, like mm. those kids were like the waste men. Mm. So they spent their lunchtime in the music room instead of in the playground playing football. Exactly. Nice. I wouldn't play less football though. Keep yeah. playing football, but do music as well. Yeah. Or do art, and I didn't like explore any of like the creative stuff at school because it was either boring or not perceived to be cool mm. like I, I i was told to do art at a level but i didn't want to do it 
because I just thought it was weird. Like, I just didn't, I couldn't understand, like, why, she's like, why am I going to do art? Like, what, what do you mean? But I wasn't, like, my head, I guess, wasn't in tune with, like, you know, how, like, you can have, like, a creative career. Mm. I guess it's, like, my background, then I always came from, like, 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 physical hard work. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I guess, if you feel like your creative, explore as many, of many opportunities as you can, man, whether it's music, art acting drama mm. look at it like the drama people like again in school like if you did drama like no one rated you mm. but why not you know those people are going on to like be massively successful now and who cares in it don't care about what people think mm. just do what you want to do and then yeah you'll find like your your i don't know your role mm. right so Explore your passions, essentially. Yeah. Do music. Well, yeah, if you if you feel like you should do or, music, yeah, do music. No, but yeah. For you specifically. But um, then again, man, like if I knew about like Fruity Loops and shit, then I would have probably done it at home. But I yeah. just I don't know. Like music back then was like hitting a fucking triangle with a <laughs> <laughs> playing recorder. <laughs> yeah. Right, and then a third thing when you're young like find someone that like you look up to and like aspire to be and then like just learn from that as much as you can because mm. i think that's really important man especially like if you're not from like a stable background and mm. you know i think you just need to like look to someone and imitate them mm. to the best of your ability man because I, th I don't think there's anything better than having like a mentor i don't think we have it enough in the uk to be honest with you like in the states like everyone I meet has a mentor, like mm. literally everyone. Oh yeah, my mentor. And I'm like thrown off. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Mentor? Like, mm. I thought that's like just some like myth. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, or like some like bougie, like yeah, yeah. film TV stuff. Like, yeah, my mentor, but like legit, like there's people like you, everyone yeah. out there, like you and I, if we were American have a mentor, mm. I don't think there's enough mentors here. So I guess try and find someone. Hopefully it's like me or you one mm. day. And then just learn from them. Yeah. That's one thing I'd tell mm, yeah. my younger self to do. It's like find someone to like imitate and like learn from. Mm. And one thing you'd tell your younger self to stop doing. <laughs> stop playing so much Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Just don't like waste time on shit. Mm. Yeah, but that's being young, isn't it? Like why should you not play computer games? I'm just thinking out loud here. Um, I don't know, man. Pretty much the same thing. Like, stop caring what people think about you. So do you? Yeah, man. That's the moral of the story. Mm. Moral of life is just do you. Mm. It's not that deep. That's that's the motto, man. <laughs> Dream is disease. It's Dream not that deep. All right. So, last question: How would you define ultimate? The ultimate journey of happiness and or success doing what you love and i guess being stable for it like mentally and financially i think that's the key to life is waking up every day and enjoying what you do and enjoying the life that you have feeling fulfilled 
and then hopefully as a result being you know financially stable because ultimately like that's at the core of everything like let's be honest like you have to be financially stable to to lead like a, a good life and there's obviously different levels of like stability depends like what you want but i think ultimately like if you can if you just be happy in yourself and lead the life that like you want to lead obviously there's sacrifices everyone has to make sacrifice but yeah i think if you can just do what you love and get paid to do it then you've won i just can't imagine that there's a better feeling than like being stable like having a family having a roof over your head and waking up every day and doing what you love and that thing pays for everything else Mm. surely that's like perfection isn't it true whether that's like obviously like if you can get rich off it then yeah amazing that's even better but ultimately like it's just happiness at the end of the day like i didn't leave my job to be balling because i started with nothing like i left a well-paid job mm. to earn nothing yeah um but you can't put a price on that happiness so yeah i wouldn't change that ever and then hopefully one day like the check comes and i can like build like a future and mm a family and whatever mm. and still be doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> All right. So we made it. We made it. Not um, yet, man. No, we made it today <laughs> in the podcast. That's what I mean. I mean, we could, well, I mean, we could be here for another hour, man, and do like True. a part two, a part three and a part we four. We should do. We will eventually once we've got a few more people in the door. Mm. But what, well, I mean, if, if you guys have made it this far, thank you for a start. Hopefully there's been some knowledge in there that you can take out of that and some some inspiration somewhere because there's, there's a lot of mad things that we discussed from, you know, leaving your job to, mm. you know, going out there on your own to life-threatening operations to Matty. taking inspiration from family and et cetera. So, yeah, hopefully there's been a lot in there that you guys can take out of that. So, yeah, so where can people find you online? How can they keep up to date with your movements? Um, well, companies Cosa Nostra, um, at Cosa Nostra on Twitter, Cosa Nostra Gram on Instagram. Um, personally, Mozatron on all of that, all of that shit, Facebook, Insta. But yeah, Cosa Nostra Music's the one. Don't worry about me. Oh, and J Prince at J Prince. Smart good out now. Yeah. New mixtape coming soon. All of that, all of that. All of that. So yeah, like, yeah, let us know. Like, if you've made it this far, let us know what you think. Like, hit up at Mozatron, at I am Alex Manzi on Twitter. Let us know some thoughts. Asleep, man. Yeah, if you haven't fallen asleep, we're drinking tea out here. It's quite late. Tea gang. Um, so let us know your thoughts. Let us know the most interesting thing you've heard or learned or the one thing you're going to take away from listening to this. Um, they're going to take away Jay Prince's mixtape. Hopefully. <laughs> so every every listener will get a free shout out from Jay Prince. <laughs> yeah, I'm on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. A personal shout out from Jay Prince. Um, but yeah, hit us up with some thoughts. Let us know. Um, and thank you. It's been blessed. Say. Well, there you have it, guys. That's Moz's story. Um, I hope you enjoyed that one because, I mean, for me, as I've said, I've seen Moz grow over the years and 
it, it really, really is inspirational stuff and he's a really hardworking guy and, and I hope you can really get a sense of that and the kind of effort and um, work and, and the de determination he puts into everything that he does is it, really, really um, inspiring to see and to follow his journey. So I hope that there's a lot in there that you you can take from it. There's you know you can learn from his stories and some real nuggets of information in there. And you know there's a real theme throughout these episodes so far of people who have just really worked hard and they've put in the hours, not only in work but outside of work as well. And and, and now they're learning to thrive off those things. So yeah, there we go. Um, thanks for checking it out. And as I said, make sure you. Hit me up on Twitter with any thoughts, any questions, and share this with your friends if you feel like it's something they're going to learn from or or would like to hear more of. Then you know, please make sure you hit that share button and send it out to your to your people because we're all about sharing the love and the stories and just trying to get a bit more inspiration out into the world. So let's try and do that together, and we'll hopefully see you next time. Thank you.